we want to introduce you to a footwear brand changing the game for healthcare workers. Meet Gales, the first smart PPE shoe designed in collaboration with nurses. Gales feature custom machine washable insoles with cloud-like long-term arch support. These slip-resistant and feather-light shoes wipe clean in seconds and stay dry thanks to their full moisture and microbe barrier. Gales are also 40 to 50% more affordable than other healthcare footwear brands. You can shop now at weargales.com and use the code GN10, that's G as in gritty, N as in nurse, 10, for 10% off your order. So what are you waiting for? Shop Gales now. Is this thing still on? I think they can hear us a bit better now. Should we keep talking? Of course. Let's say it louder for those in the back. Hi, and welcome to the Green Nurse Podcast, an unfiltered discussion about health and healthcare. My name is Amy Archibald Burley. And my name is Sarah Fung. And we are your podcast hosts. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, iHeartRadio, or any other podcast platform, don't forget to hit subscribe so you can get updates on new episodes. If you love our podcast and our advocacy work, please go to www.grittynurse.com and click on the Support Us button. This will give you access to exclusive episodes and early releases on a monthly basis. This will help us with the cost of running the podcast, the time and energy to put out awesome and informative episodes. And for that, we thank you and we appreciate you. Hi, and welcome everyone to the Greeners Podcast. We are so excited for the guest that we have today. We have been trying to reach out to her for so long, and we are stoked that she is here to tell her story, tell us about the big news and all the great things that she's doing. But before we get into the episode, Sarah, please introduce our guest. I am so incredibly psyched to introduce Andrea Dalzell. She is a registered nurse, healthcare advocate, disability rights influencer, speaker, and most importantly, a survivor. At the age of five, Andrea was diagnosed with transverse myelitis, an inflammation of the spinal cord that causes pain, muscle weakness, and paralysis, and she was using a wheelchair full-time by 12 years old. Inspired by her experiences with nurses, she received her nursing degree from the City University of New York, College of Staten Island. Andrea became the first registered nurse in a wheelchair in the state of New York, and she devotes her career to helping others with disabilities live healthier lives, whether seated or able-bodied. Andrea was crowned Ms. Wheelchair New York 2015 and utilized her title and platform, Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Access, to promote her message and belief that people with disabilities can live a fulfilling life. As an advocate and activist, she has won national recognition over the years, including being named New Mobility's Person of the Year 2021 and the inaugural Craig H. Nielsen Visionary Prize winner 2020. She has also been featured in Unite Spinal, Home Care Magazine, Apple's iWatch campaign, Yahoo, and Forbes. I'm so honored to welcome you to the podcast tonight. Welcome. Thank you. Every time someone reads that, I'm like, they're really talking about me. 
Like I did that. <laughs> yeah, own it, own it. That <laughs> so much, so much to be proud of. Yeah, most definitely. But yes, I am so excited to be here. Thank you, thank you for having me. I was just getting chills even reading this out loud because I had read it in my head, but to say it out loud, I'm just so inspired by you. Like, and I'm sure this is only half of the work you've done. So maybe before we get into it, maybe you can just tell us a bit about yourself and your your journey into nursing. Yeah, so I am the beloved seated nurse. I, I embrace nursing as as the way that I like communicate with the world because we are the trusted profession, right? So take my word for it, I'm the it, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> right. So I take it and I'm like, yeah, uh, so I'm the seated nurse and I was born and raised in Brooklyn. If anyone knows New York or anyone hears about New York, you always hear about the grit that we have to go through to kind of just continue to make it and put forth all of this effort. And that was not lost on me as a child with a disability. Like you said, I got transverse myelitis at five years old and life changed for my immigrant parents who migrated to this country and now have a child who they're telling will probably never walk again, will need all of this care and trying to navigate what that looks like in a city that is inaccessible, in a city that's full of chaos. And you know what? It's what made me who I am today. The grit of New York City the having to push forth everything that you want and need kind of put me to the forefront of nursing and and realizing how life wasn't ever going to be easy for anyone, but just double hard because you have this perception of disability being a bad thing, not an inclusive thing, a conversation that's kind of left to the side. And then I realized what that impact was in nursing and healthcare. And I was just like, wow, I, I have to change all of this. And it's going to come full round because Brooklyn is in me and Brooklyn doesn't give up. So, hey. It sounded like from a young age then you knew you wanted to go into nursing. Is that is that correct? Or was your path a little bit windy? Oh, it was super windy. I was not the one that grew up thinking that I was going to be a nurse because remember, five years old, being around hospitals and nurses. Mm -mm. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was like, no, I don't like you. You right. are causing me pain. Right. And funny enough, I used to tell all my doctors that I was going to, you know, sue them when I got older oh because goodness. of all the pain that they put me through. They're listening. I still hold true to that. I may go back and get my JD, so watch out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the statute of limitations are there, but. I really believed that I was going to be a lawyer and I was going to, you know, I was going to come back and fight. And then, you know, when I went to my graduation, I told this story because it was a poignant part of my life where I went to graduation. I was released from the ICU and went to graduation. My doctor was there. His NP was there overseeing me as I'm graduating. And in my memory book, they write both of them, please, anything but a lawyer. Anything but. <laughs> anything but a lawyer. So, you know, that's what got me thinking that I was going to be a doctor then, because if you can't beat them, you join them and I'm going to cure pain and no one's going to tell me anything different. And when I was auditing medical school classes in college, trying to figure out if that was really the, the path that I wanted for myself, I realized that all the doctors that I've ever seen in my life only saw me as the diagnosis transverse myelitis. Wow. That's it. Not Andrea, the racer, not Andrea, the rebel, not Andrea, the person who can speak really, really well, not Andrea, who can think ahead 40 steps and can see the bigger picture. Just Andrea has transverse myelitis, and this is what life could possibly look like for her. And medical school classes drove that home for me. It was like, you're just a diagnosis, and that's it. We can't do anything outside of 
what the textbook says this diagnosis can be. So we're going to give you the grave information and do with that what you will. Right. And we'll try to to make you feel comfortable where the narrative is being pushed that you're not going to be comfortable. You're going to be at home eating bonbons or be at home suffering. Right, right. Right. So then I was like, I can't, I can't do that. I, this just wouldn't be for me. And a nurse kind of spoke to me about it. and was like, well, why don't not, why not nursing? I, I was like, why not nursing? I don't know. But subconsciously, I've never seen a nurse in a wheelchair. Subconsciously, all the nurses that have possibly come into my life after 33 surgeries, I have never seen any one of them with a disability. So subconsciously, I was already, but no, there's no way I'm going to be a nurse. How am I going to be a nurse? Right. I applied for the entrance exam for my school. I took the entrance exam. I scored extremely high and in, in competitively high, meaning that I knew that I would be guaranteed a seat if I got in. I remember I sat on that application for a whole year before I actually submitted because of the fact that I was just so insecure with not knowing what's what. And then I was Miss Wiltshire New York 2015 and some one of the mentors within that realm said to me, well, why not? You'll never know if you just don't do it. So I did it and I got accepted, got the seat. And first day of nursing school orientation, it's a fight. It's like, you can't be a nurse. We don't know how to help you be a nurse. We don't think that our, our medical institutions will allow you to be in our in their buildings. We have to go through the contracts and Thank God for being Miss Wilshire New York because it gives you all of this insight into bureaucracy and how to navigate these scenes. And I was like, wait a minute, this is education. Like you're supposed to provide me education. You've already accepted me. So I'll figure it out. I went to like my deans. I went to different offices on my campus and put up the fight. You can't let me go because you already accepted me. You're going to make me cry. <laughs> like, I mean, that is so inspiring. This is more than just a nursing story. This is so much bigger than that. And I like, I, I don't even have all the right words to say like how proud I am. Like I know I'm meeting you today for the first time, but have read your story and read some of the work that you did. And I mean, that is more than an amazing feat. It shouldn't have to be this difficult road that they make we talk we talk a lot about ableism and on our show too and I mean I I can't wait to hear a little bit more about your story when you were in nursing school but you have achieved so much if there's one thing I can say to you and if you haven't heard it you should be abundantly proud like I mean I wish I could just say to you you know what Beyonce wrote that that renaissance <laughs> yeah. about you that was about <laughs> you you know what I'm saying right I think that being in the space that we are in terms of how people think about the world and act in the world and how you've achieved and I believe will continue to achieve so much more hats oh, off bow down you. like I can't like it's it's so amazing that's what I appreciate right like you you've seen the work that it's taken to get to where I am today Absolutely. not being like just encompassing of what we love to say is inspiration porn because I'm just outside and I'm in my chair and I'm being seen no I'm literally working and that's work and to be seen for the work and to be given flowers for the work that's that's the accomplishment right not just to be outside in the chair and, and doing something no I'm outside in the chair and I'm making the difference every day and I'm fighting not just for my voice but for any voice 
So thank you. Love it. That's why you're here on the Gritty Nurse Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so could you tell us just and our listeners too, just a little bit about your experience? So we got a little bit of, of a taste in terms of hearing about, you know, the, the fact that, you know, it was almost like problem from day one, but maybe you can tell us a little bit about what that experience looked like for you. We hear all of these things in, in, in college or even in high school that can kind of disrupt our own belief on how we perceive our abilities. And, and I stop there because when you think about it, there's always someone telling you why you can't do something. So mm-hmm. forget my disability for a second. Forget that I even mentioned it. No matter what, each and every single one of us listening, speaking, we've been told we can't do something at some point in our life or maybe we shouldn't do something. Or, you know, rethink a pathway because of what someone else's belief would be of our own ability or of their own ability and their capability to be able to do it. All the listeners, just remember that. You are not alone in that. So, yes, for me, it was from the door, it was we don't know. And instead of saying we're going to figure this out together, we'll help you, it was tell us how you're going to do this or how will you be able to get this done? And everyone knows the story already. It's like CPR for nurses is like the number one thing that we have to know how to do. Okay, well, if I'm going to do CPR, then I'm going to do it differently. Or maybe I'll be able to walk you through it and talk someone through it. Just like if uh, it was a 911 call, right? And those operators have to walk you through how to do CPR. But you're worried about me being able to do it. Instead of worrying about my assessment skills being so on par that I can catch somebody going down before it results in needing CPR. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, I took up boxing to be able to do it. So, yes, I can do it from my position. But again, even if I couldn't, we're so hyper focused on being at the bedside that we forget there's so many other aspects to nursing that people can get into And we push this one thought process from nursing school when all nursing school's responsibility is to give us the education to pass the test. A hundred percent. Yeah. Because we all know that what we do in nursing school is not what happens on the floor. Yep. That's that's (laughs) you couldn't have said that any better. That's the truth. It is is absolute truth. Like NCLEX is the perfect world that you're preparing us to get through. But when we get to the floor, we're learning everything. As if we had never known it in our entire lives before. Like we kind of had like what to look for, what are the danger signs, but everything else you're literally learning for one to three years on the job. So for someone to come at me at an educational level or come at anyone in the educational sector and say, well, you wouldn't be able to do this, that, or the third, forgetting that you're just trying to get me to pass a test. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. I'm not applying for the job. I'm applying for the education. Yeah, exactly. And I think that nursing is so, um, we box in our thinking so much. Like everyone's picturing a nurse, you know, in our white scrubs and standing at the bedside. And we just need to break out of that mentality. And I know a lot of, there is a lot of innovation in nursing, but I think there's a lot of stagnation too, where there's only one way to be a nurse. There's only one way to look like a nurse. And I I feel sorry that you had to go through this from day one because the fact is they accepted you. And then the minute they saw your wheelchair, everything changed. Sorry. No, but we can't fault people, right? Mm -hmm. Because people don't know what they don't know until it's presented in front of them. That's for anything. Mm -hmm. And when you see representation of disability, when you're a child, what is your first 
interaction with disability. It's probably going to be a grandparent who's ill, who's in a chair that really can't do much for themselves. And that's aging, right? Then when you think about a young person, the same interaction that you had with disability from childhood or maybe mid-adulthood is now going to follow you and what that looks like for someone who's younger, which is sad and depressing. And we don't have any other representation of interaction with disability in our media. We don't have it in our textbooks. We're not learning about it within the culture of education or in the culture of healthcare. So therefore, it's always going to be biased about our own interactions and how they were perceived. And now it's going to show on to the population that's around us. Absolutely. That's the problem. No, but that's the problem. Yeah, I was just about to say that representation piece matters, right? You're absolutely right. The the way that the media and news and various different other forms of social media really can depict the way that people perceive how that disability might be presented. And it's usually a false narrative. It's, it's always inaccurate. Like, for example, my son has autism and it's a spectrum disorder. But the first time I mentioned that my son has a disability or he has autism, the first thing they asked me is, oh, is he high functioning? Is he is he verbal? And it's like, you know, you guys are painting a picture of what you think my son is like. And you have to realize that there is a spectrum. And then you have to just really meet the person to see how they are. Like, just don't put all of these notions, but we, we can't, we can't forget that there is that implicit or explicit bias, but we do have to train and teach people about it and talk about representing, putting people in the space so people can understand that that is that narrative that was painted, that image that was painted is inaccurate. And here's how these folks can actually live their lives and some of them live and that, that they live their lives with a lot of meaning. So we need to work on that aspect hugely for sure. And you know, you must you must get this question all the time about how you came up with the seated nurse because I actually really love that. I think it describes you perfectly. And um, how how did this come about? Like, how did you create this title for yourself? Well, shout out to the Rolling RNs because there is a there is an older RN group uh, that call themselves the Rolling RNs and. I I followed them while I was in nursing school to, you know, you got to find, find your community, right? I wasn't going to go through nursing school and only be around people who are walking. I needed to find community. So my community was there. I just needed to really search through the haystack. Rolling RNs was great, but I didn't see myself as the rolling RN. I'm like, there's always some wheel reference and I don't want to be trapped into my wheelchair as as a reference. Right. So... I was like, you guys are just always standing and I'm seated. And you guys, and I remember a nurse saying to me, oh, you have no idea what it's like to stand up for 12 hours. And I was like, I'm seated for 12 hours. I'm good. My, I'm on an air cushion. Thanks. <laughs> 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 and she said something else. And I'm like, didn't you hear? I'm the seated nurse. And then it stuck. Oh my it goodness. was That was it. I'm the seated nurse. And I'm going to be the seated nurse. I love that. And I love that there's that story behind it too. Cause I think, you know, again, people might have a different perception of being, oh, you know, it's, it's so unfortunate that she has said, no, you're just like, Hey, this is great <laughs> from a nursing perspective. My back's not hurting like yours. <laughs> <laughs> my back doesn't hurt. My feet don't hurt. I'm not cramping at the end of the day. My body's already accustomed to sitting down for 12 to 18 hours a day. Like this has been my life since I was 12. I under my wheelchair is made for my body mechanics. So 
I mean, your body's not made to be lifting 500 pounds every two minutes. Neither is mine, but I can lock in place and you can't. So your body mechanics are going to be way <laughs> off at the end of the shift. Right, right. No, that's true. And I mean, I think, I mean, if you think about body ergonomics, us standing is actually not very practical. And then we're <laughs> sta- in this particular job, we're standing for a long period of time. So, you know, I think we've had episodes where we talk about, you know, the pains and ails of being a nurse and we talk about, you know, the back pain and the feet hurting and all this stuff. So, you know, of course you've got some advantages why not right it's all good again locking in place has its major advantages if a patient's going down they can literally slide down off of my chair because i'm mid-range i don't have to worry about them hitting the floor oh that's they, true that's, right? that's so true and i was always thinking i was also thinking about all the supplies that we nurses carry in our pockets and you can just you know find a bag or bag, something to stuff it, it into <laughs> it's it's wonderful and you know even putting a bed in Trendelenburg at its lowest position where I can like just pull back and like nurses saw me do that for the first time during the pandemic. And they're like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. <laughs> what did you just do? And now everyone knows to put the bed. If you don't know, put the bed in Trendelenburg to pull the patient up in bed. Do not use your back or your needs. Stop. Just stop. <laughs> do you hear Do you hear what she's saying? Do you guys hear what the seed nurse is telling you? Listen to the seed nurse. She's got all <laughs> the details and the and the tips. <laughs> I I think that this is this is so wonderful. And I mean, I want to snatch you from the states, <laughs> steal you, and take you to Canada. But I mean, I, there's so much that we can learn from you. But I, I did hear a little insider's tip. Mm-hmm. We, you got to tell us some more. You got to tell us. You run a nonprofit? Is there anything that you don't do? You're so dope. Like, tell us about all the cool stuff that you're doing. Oh, well, let's backtrack a little bit. 2020 was the year that everyone, anyone who's heard this story knows that I went through 76 clinical interviews to kind of land the clinical position. I wanted to go to school to be a pediatric ICU nurse and then become a CRNA. I wanted to really get onto that path, and it just was impossible because I couldn't get into a clinical ICU unit, couldn't even get into a med surge, going through all of these interviews. And the pandemic hits New York March of 2020, and our governor is calling for all of our nurses to come out of retirement. I call a hospital's HR line, give them my information, I get a job, move forward, I'm working ICU during covid And I'm like, okay, well, I can do it. Like, I've proven to everyone now that I can do this and and there's a way to do it. And even if I am not the one doing it, like, there's a way for someone else to be able to do it. And I started talking about that on my social media. Like, there's no way for someone to now really say that it's impossible for a person with a disability to not be in the ICU, not become a CRNA, like to not get the experience that they want or need out of the profession. Uh, I was recognized and got the Craig H. Nielsen Foundation Visionary Award uh, for 2020. I was in inaugural, inaugural class and three other people, we got a million dollar grant. Wow. Uh, no strings attached. It's almost like the Nobel Peace Prize of the oh disability my God. world. <laughs> wow. And I... It was announced on Good Morning America. Uh, I was literally in shock. And when, like, as TJ is pulling the money out and he's like, well, what if what if you had $100,000? I was like, I'm going back to school. And then it's like a million dollars. And I'm like, I'm going to open my own nonprofit. And that's exactly what I did. I went back to school. I opened my own nonprofit, which is the seated position. I'm the seated nurse. The seated position is just to draw awareness to disability in the workforce. And I'm also working with three other organizations, but just became, as of today, I can, I, 
well, by the time this releases, it will be announced. So I am now uh, a partner with Access Initiatives in Harlem, New York. So which wow. is yes, congrats! Amazing, amazing feat. That's 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 so good, and you deserve it. Like you, yeah. de- you absolutely deserve it. So congrats to you. Thank you. I mean, the goal is really to break down the stigma of disability in general, because we forget that at any given point in time, anyone can join this group. Mm-hmm. There are 1 billion of us around the world, and every single day the door is open. Uh, and, and people forget that because we have this superhuman, I'm Superman type of mentality, nothing's going to happen. And even if you have an inkling of it, no one's prepared for disability to happen within their life. So one, we have to break down that stigma. Two, it's representation. And those within healthcare, understanding disability, because right now the way things are, People with disabilities are not getting the care that they need. They're not getting the help that they need. And there's going to be a bigger issue down the road if we keep ignoring it. So that's where I come in. <laughs> wow. No, that that's amazing work. And I think that is that is absolutely what we need because one of the things that we saw during the pandemic is we saw how folks that were, you know, you know, a precariously housed, folks that were racialized, folks that had disabilities and chronic illnesses, they were the ones that were heavily and hardly hit by the pandemic. And I think the pandemic more opened the eyes to the fact that these inequities were happening, but these inequities were happening in healthcare way before. And I mean, this is why we continue to talk about health equity. How do we make sure that healthcare is equitable? How do we make sure that we're we're focusing on these, these inequities that we see within our system? We're struggling with it. We're struggling with it here in Canada. I know in the US, you guys are like, <laughs> I mean, we talk about like we have universal healthcare, I'd say that, you know, our models probably, it's very different than what the model of care is out there. But when we talk about health equity on a whole, it is still something that we're all grappling and struggling with. And as much as, you know, I can come out and I say these things, we do need people like yourself, myself, Sarah, to continue to push the envelope, to push people to say, this is the work that needs to be done. Because if we don't do this, this is what's happening. I mean, I think this is, it's honorable work. It's important work and it is work that just has to be done. So I'm so glad I'm going to be watching out for what's happening, what's coming next. And please let us know if there's something on our end that we can do to continue to amplify and support. So you definitely know we're dropping this episode. We're going to drop it every <laughs> single link and be like, check this, check this. But I mean, this is the work that we should all be doing. It shouldn't be just yourself. It shouldn't be just Sarah. It shouldn't be just me. When we you know, tell our stories, we share our experiences. The other piece is that other folks who are out there listening, they need to do something, right? They yeah. can't stand by and just be like, oh, you know, she's doing such great work, but you know, that that that's her, that's her realm. No, that is a part of the work that everybody needs to do. So I hope you guys are listening out there because there's a lot more work that needs to be done and we all need to be a part of this great work. Right. And I think disabilities can take different forms too, right? So Mm -hmm. you're in a wheelchair. Obviously, this is a long-term thing for you. People may be temporarily in wheelchairs. And so for that period of time, things are inaccessible to them. Or, um, you know, there are disabilities that are not visible and those Mm -hmm. people need support and they need accommodation and understanding. But because we don't see it, we just assume that it's not there. So I think that, you know, health equity, we need to be aware of these types of issues too. And just even... The thought of starting a nonprofit, I think this is a goal for a lot of people that they feel like they can never achieve. But really, at the end of the day, it's something that 
maybe not everybody will do, but it's something that, you know, is important. And you've just shown that with the right willpower, with the right determination, it can be done. And I think that you just continue to break down barriers. And the more I learn about you, the more I'm so inspired. And we're going to include a lot of this in our show notes for anybody that wants to support your uh, your nonprofit. I think that's a really amazing thing that we can do for you. Oh, thank you so, so much. I'm like, you know, I'm I'm a little bit even overwhelmed with everything because when you think about it at the end of the day, I'm not just talking from the disability perspective. I'm really trying to get just every individual themselves to see themselves and understand that the future is not what we believe it could be. Absolutely. Right? It changes every single minute of every second, every day. Our future changes. We don't know what tomorrow brings. But if we don't plan for it, like we say we do with this preventative care initiative, then the longevity of our future is shortened already. Yep. We as nurses alone don't have the language to be able to be able to even assess someone who has a cognitive, neurological, physical disability. Think about our own assessments and how we're literally ableizing someone during that assessment. Absolutely. Versus actually understanding their function level and then in turn making sure that our lawmakers, whether it be in Canada or here in the UN- United States, understands that the assessment will then go hand in hand with aging in place. It will go hand in hand with someone getting the resources that they need throughout their life if they have disability from birth. Like so many different aspects to it, but nurses at the center of it because of the fact that we care for it, we're the ones that literally deliver that first treatment, no matter what. Doctors could be everywhere, but it's always the nurses. And we know that. So if we don't have the language, how are we going to push forward? How are we going to make it better? We can't because we ourselves can't even fathom it. We don't even have the language to do it. Whereas people who live with disabilities who may not be in healthcare have the language already, know what they need, and we just need to combine forces and say, this is how our textbook should read because this is how we should be trained. And this is how we're going to be able to deliver care throughout the lifespan, whether you have disability or not. Absolutely. Like I couldn't have said that any better than you had said that. I think that, you know, we have to think about the way that we train and we teach nurses. I've, I think I've always been a proponent of like looking at that, that whole aspect of representation, me as a racialized female, even looking at just some of the images that they put in our textbooks to say, Mm -hmm. okay, like, we need to start changing the things that we put in here. And I think the fact that, you know, you were able to one, go through nursing school, I think a lot of people would be, oh, surprised. Cause I remember I actually got into a car accident in 2017 and it was pretty bad. And, um, I was in my, my second year of nursing going into third year and I had really bad chronic back pain. And I said to them, I said, you know, I'm coming back like, what can you do to help accommodate me? Because, you know, I can't stand for a long period of time. I can't do this. And they pretty much said to me, no, you can't, you can't, you can't come back to nursing school. And I was crushed. And I remember saying to myself, fine, like, if you don't want me, then I'm going to go do a different program. So that's when I went back to school to do some biological, sociocultural anthropology. And it made me think it, I think I had you know, misconceptions and perceived notions. And I think it gave me a, a chance to think to myself that, you know, this is temporary for me, but for some folks, this is permanent. And how can we have a nursing program where we say we care about folks? We say we're the most trusted, most caring profession. And when it came to a situation in which, you know, I needed support or other folks might need support, or like even in your situation, they can look and say, you're not able to do this. It just made me push harder to say, okay, you're going to tell me I can't. 
I'm going to show you that I can. And it shouldn't be, it shouldn't have to be that hard. It shouldn't be. And this is why folks like you and other folks that are advocating are so hugely important. Like your role is crucial. And I'm so grateful that you have that grit and that ability to come out, share your story, share your story with our our listeners and say that we need to do things differently. And I hope that for the folks that are listening today, think about how you might have thought about, you know, folks that you might be hiring into positions or, you know, perceptions that you might have of an individual coming into a grocery store or or holding a door, whatever these 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 thoughts are and really give yourself a, a shake and really start thinking about how you can think about these things differently. Because, I mean, it's time. It's time to change. It's time. It's It's been time to change the way that we think and perceive disability and ability within our societies, within our communities, within our homes, within our schools, within our entire lifespan. So I'm more than grateful that you're here. So (laughs) before, before you go, before you go, is there anything that you'd like people to know about, you know, your, your situation, disability, what do you think people don't know that you think that they should know? It's been four years since I became a registered nurse, four years since I went through my plight with nursing school and nursing education. I have now mentored over seven women who also have disabilities through nursing school. Up until this year, 2022, we are 32 years past the ADA. We are, we are in the smack of a revolution of jobs and, and generations that are changing the way we integrate with our work and our life balances and and how we're advocating for ourselves in a more prominent way now. But in 2022, we're still telling people with disabilities, they cannot be a nurse, they cannot get into healthcare, they cannot be a doctor. And I don't understand why in healthcare, we're so proud to say that we are trusted, we are the professionals, we are the ones that are there, we are caring, we're going to help you, we heal you. But when they're healed and they come back to the door and say they want to join us, we say no. Mm. Think about that part because that's what affects every single one of us is this thought process that we are so good at what we do that if we can't heal you and if you are still disabled in some type of way, we failed and therefore turn away, don't come help us. We're good. We have so much more to learn and be humble about within our own profession. We get so cocky sometimes. We have a chip on our shoulder. Like we know it all. We can do it all. Humble, humble yourselves because the profession of nursing is not to be cocky. It's not to even be confident. It is to be caring. And when you get back to the root of that part, then is when you can honestly say you can make a change and be an ally to whatever walks through your your presence, right? Whether it's a person of color, whether it's a whether it's a person with a disability, whether it's a woman, whether it's male, whether it's someone who's transgender, it doesn't matter because you're meeting someone where they are in the aspect of caring for them, despite what a diagnosis is, despite what what they have going on. You're saying, I'm here to help you get to where you need to be when you're at your most vulnerable. Because at one point or another, we'll all be there. Yep. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't have said that better myself. And I think that there are so many nurses out there who, you know, have suffered injuries on the job and they become like in a wheelchair or dependent on a mobility device. And they have it ingrained in them that they can't be a nurse anymore. There's no way I can be a nurse if I can't physically do what I did before. But the thing is, there are so many ways to be a nurse. 
that I think we just need to raise awareness of that fact and amplify your story and the story of others who have had similar journeys to yourself. So I think those are some really good uh, takeaways. And I just wanted to ask if you could share with our listeners how they can find you, if they're inspired by you, if they want to reach out to you, what's the best way that they can get in touch with you? Yeah, so all of my social media handles are at The Seated Nurse. So I'm on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all of them, something. And then you can always email me. You can go on theseatednurse.com and, and send me an email, message me. I, I, my team will answer you. I'm usually crazy busy, but my team literally sends me messages and say, you need to reply to this one. So go ahead. <laughs> we, send me we, believe, we believe that you're busy. <laughs> We're, we definitely believe that you're busy. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, one other point I just wanted to throw out there uh, I, that I wanted to say is just the fact that, you know, um, we also have to, I, I do want to recognize this one other point is we have to also remember that disability can be invisible as well. Yes. So the fact that, you know, my son has autism. Sometimes they look at him and they're just like, oh, he looks fine. fine. He still has challenges. <laughs> or my son who has ADHD, he still has challenges. So we have to look at the entire spectrum and we have to really do our work. It is, it is our work. And the other thing is we shouldn't be putting on the folks and saying, you know, you guys have to teach us. We can do our homework too to make sure that we – we are understanding, we're educating ourselves to say how best or how might we put ourselves in a position where we might be able to support folks like with disabilities, invisible and not in physical as well. So, well, reach out, right? Like this is why you have these resources. And mm -hmm. also there's a whole national organization for nurses with disabilities. There's a whole organization. It's out there. It's there for all types of, of disabilities to be able to get whatever it is that they need, whether it be in an educational format, whether it be in a career format. Invisible disabilities, anxiety. I have massive anxiety that I have to work through on a daily basis. So I get that. But again, if you meet people with that caring aspect, you're no longer judging what their disability is, whether it's invisible or or very visible. It doesn't matter because you're meeting the person where they're at and you're allowing them to be them and telling us how they can do something versus us assuming that they cannot. Always just ask. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Always ask. And oh my gosh. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming Ooh, on yes. to, to the Gritty Nurse podcast. Mm -hmm. It was amazing to have you on here to share your story, to tell, to tell, to tell folks what it is all about. <laughs> and I'm look, I'm pointing at you nursing schools. I'm, I'm, I'm coming for you, Canada. I'm coming for you, USA. We have to talk. There are some problems out there. We need to fix them. It's not acceptable. I, can you hear me? I know you can hear me. I know you're listening. It's not acceptable. We're going to fix it. We're going to do this work together. Thank you so much, Andrea, for coming on to the Greeners podcast. Yay!